you is having a local fundraiser and a, a garden tour. Ah. So there are eight houses in the district, two are normal houses, one is green and one is green and the So we're also working on a house which is interested in a garden tour. Some of the local garden tours, wonderful people's And then for my house, my garden says a special effect. Bud will know Jamie's first time in the garden. Maybe Bud's all the time too. You can email me and I'll send you Awesome. So June 24th, a neighborhood um, house and garden tour with local artists included. So check in with Shirley for, in, for more information about that. Anybody? Yeah. Right. Joy, would you like to say Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, clearly we are a community that both creates and appreciates artistry of all different types. Definitely encourage that. And we're going to hear more encouragement a little later this morning from Jay as well. I think we're back on with um, sound. Yes, indeed. Excellent. Excellent. So we've got Good mornings here from, and thank you for those at, uh, remotely letting us, um, you know, pause and correct, make sure you can indeed hear us. And we've been chatting about arts here in the hall in the meantime. Um, but good mornings here from Mark Mayer and Steve and Jessica and Bonnie. Oh, Bonnie Johnson, yay. Cynthia, Laura DeShulo. Let's see, M&T Tracy, tuning in for the first time with husband and baby. Well, welcome, Tracy. Delighted to have you. And Jessica, I'm sorry if I'm repeating names, Sarah Morris, Laura Steele, who is now post-COVID, so yay. That would be great to be able to have, be out and about at Barb Nathanson, Matt Tracy. So excellent. Matt Turley is also a new attendee this morning. So that's fabulous. We love having folks with seasoned tenures and brand new with us at any time. So welcome this morning and thank you for your patience. We will. Um, our opening words this morning are from Patti Smith from her work, More Songwriters on Songwriting. She says, in times of strife, we have our imagination. We have our creative impulse, which are things that are more important than material things. They are the things we should magnify. And today's opening song is Morning Has Broken. Praise for the morning, 
Each week, we read our statement of purpose as a reminder of our shared values. And if you're interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc slash readSOP, and you can read it here in person or make a recording that will be included in a future platform. Today's reader is Joe London, a longtime West member and part of our chorus and has played many, many roles um, here at West and is a big champion of our community. Joe. Good morning, everyone. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. 
we invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thanks, Joe. Oh, excuse me one moment. As Joe lights our community candle, I invite everyone to join in our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Thank you, Joe. Let us enter now into the centering time of our platform. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I'm particularly mindful of the power of artistry, formal and informal, and the risks that artists often take to use that talent to express desires for freedom and inclusivity. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us open our hearts to compassion for those who suffer. And let us commit ourselves to the work that calls for our love. I invite you now into a time of meditation, a time to be still and to reflect. Begin by taking a full, deep breath. And slowly exhale any distractions. Again, breathe and be inspired. Gently adjust your posture and stretch, release any tension. Find a place where your body is at ease. And breathe. <clears throat> I suggest you close your eyes or soften your gaze. 
Let your mind slow down and breathe. From this place of quiet, reflect on these words from Kristen L. Harper. I do not wish to breathe another breath if it is not shared with others. The breath of life is not mine alone. I brought myself to be with you, hoping that by inhaling the compassion, the courage, the hope found here, I can exhale the fear, the selfishness, the separateness I keep so close to my skin. I cannot live another moment, at least not one of joy, unless you and I find our oneness somewhere among each other, somewhere between the noise, somewhere within the silence of the next breath.
Today's reading is an excerpt from the poem For 5,000 Years or More by Matthew Johnson. For 5,000 years or more, more than 15,000 generations, human beings have been invoking spiritual power. My predecessors and yours have gathered together to make sense of their lives and their place in the cosmos. And they have spoken aloud and invited what they conceived as sacred and powerful to be with them. And so do we. We gather this morning to make sense of ourselves and this universe in which we live as best we are able. And we call ourselves together and we invoke the power and wonder of life itself. We invoke that power which is, we know, always around, always with us, but which we sometimes forget about. We forget that we are a part of the whole of creation. We forget that we are stardust. We forget that we are capable of miracles, first among them that we can love. We forget these things, and so we invoke the power of existence so that we can remember so that we can lift our eyes and open our ears to the true and beautiful. For 5,000 years or more, we have done this. In many tongues, in many ways, we have done this. And so we continue that ancient tradition in our way and in our time. And so let us now imagine together. The artist Tony Cade Bambara observed, the role of the artist is to make the revolution irresistible. And I imagine that's just what we'll experience this morning. Our platform speaker today is someone with whom you may be familiar, the Reverend Dr. Jay Exodus Hooper. Jay is an arts and cultural community curator, clergy and scholar who has served the ethical culture and congregational humanist movements for over eight years, while also an instructor of performance theory at Ohio State, excuse me, at Ohio University School of Theater. Very important distinction, I know, a very important distinction, Ohio University School of Theater. With a passion as an activist esthete, ethicist and community-based performer, Jay identifies themselves within the humanist spectrum as a neo-mannerist. And that's a term inspired by the artistic work of Ernie Barnes, a black American artist whose work was displayed on the 1970s sitcom Good Times. Centering voices on the margins beyond conventional humanist cliché, such as reason, logic, science, and rationale without a god, Jay calls us to be in wonder with ourselves and the world around us, honoring that there is more to know and understand about ourselves and each other. Jay is committed to the heart artwork of reimagining and reclaiming narratives that honor the inherited worth and dignity within all people. Jay, the space is yours.
because I know you're not going to just stick right here. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Good, good, good to see everyone. Good to see everybody. I said I'll behave for quite some time before I kind of scurry, you know. Uh, uh, it, it's a thing. Um, but it is good to be back at West. It's been a minute, and uh, I appreciate the invitation as always. Um, and yes, the topic today is the artists are here to disturb the peace. And uh, I want to just kind of share with you that James Baldwin had, you know, is known quite well as a, as a critic, literary scholar in his own right. Uh, and every time I hear this quote, most people get really uncomfortable because it involves peace and disruption. And you wonder how that simultaneously works. And they don't, they don't seem to coincide. They, they seem to not be in relationship to each other at all. Um, but, but the artists, has a different relationship with chaos. Uh, and, and, and I myself, since I identify as an artist, understand the importance of chaos, or maybe being a hot mess and turning the blessing, you know, and, and turning the mess into a blessing, if you will. Um, and so James, during this interview, uh, says that art has a kind of confession. I don't mean true confession in the sense of the dreary magazine. The effort, it seems to me, is if you can examine, face your life, you can discover the terms with which you are connected with others' lives. And they discover them too. The term with which they are connected to other people as well. This has happened to every one of us, Baldwin says. I'm sure you read something which you thought only happened to you. Then you discover it happened 100 years ago. This is, very, this, this is a very great liberation for suffering, struggling people who always think that they're alone. This is why art is important. Art would not be important if life were not important, and life is important. Most of us, no matter what we say, are walking in dark, whistling in the dark. Nobody knows what's going to happen to them from one moment to the next and how we will bear it. And it's true for everybody. No, it's true that the nature of society is to create among its citizens an illusion Artists, though, are here to disturb the peace. They have to disturb the peace. Otherwise, chaos. We fall in love with illusions. They make us comfortable. We fall in love with other people's narratives about ourselves. And we fall in love with them and we empower them to be missed. We begin to believe them. And when we take that moment, if we look at what Baldwin is offering us here, we realize that we're, we're really more connected than what we think. 
we realize that we are actually probably sitting in the illusions of comfort. And we have made comfort, and we call it comfort, but it's really settling. We, we call it, um, we think that we have arrived when we only have just begun. And we'll stay in the space where we actually are arriving, and we'll say we're, we'll call it comfort or peace, and then we'll realize we're complicit. And we haven't shifted. We haven't changed. If we were even on the break of transformation, we would reject it first. Because it means transformation means to be in discomfort. We want every step on how transformation is supposed to happen. But Baldwin tells us every moment, the next to the next, is, of course, going to cause us some kind of discomfort. We don't know anything. We are whistling in a dark. I woke up this morning. I didn't know if I was going to be in traffic. I didn't know if I was going to, but I was like, oh, I didn't even know it was going to be cold. So then I had to make another adjustment. I got a jacket because it was cold in this place. And I was like, oh, adjustment, discomfort. But I was prepared for discomfort. <laughs> I was like, all right, go get my jacket, baby. Because uh, <laughs> I will not be able to teach anything today. Um, but why do I say that? Because that is oftentimes our point of view when we've dealt with things, that we, we like to be prepared. We like to have some comfort in knowing that we're secure and safe. Can I be culturally personal for a minute? I don't ever feel safe uh, or secure in spaces often. I just don't walk around in that framing. I'm a body of transformation. And in some ways, I would love to be what Baldwin says, the artist who disturbs the peace. But oftentimes, I find myself being the art that disturbs the peace. <laughs> Y'all ain't even got the artist yet. Y'all got the art, and, and, it's, and, and, as, and if I'm not careful, I, I, you know, if I'm not careful, right, I, I get something thrown at me. Somebody doesn't handle me with care. They don't know how to put me in the right position or posture. They don't know where to place me. They don't know what to do, what gallery I belong in, what congregation I belong in, how I fit in my family. That's, that doesn't happen for everybody, but for me, I'm the art that disturbs the peace. And maybe that's because the disruption that you possibly could experience most of all with me is that I actually do seek to engage, I actually seek to engage freedom. My body is not a site of just resistance, it is a site of freedom. Audre Lorde says it best, says that, that, that um, in, in the frames of um, poetry as a luxury, that the, that the white fathers told us, I think, therefore I am. And the mother, the black mother in each of us, whispers in our dreams, I feel, therefore I am free. I feel, therefore I am free. It's why 
it had to be read that I, no, I, I'm not interested in, in, in the casual cl uh, cliches of humanism or our approach to doing this work because I get to feel. I get to get in touch. In Montessori, we call it something fancy called uh, sensorial. So when we have a little urge to be like, oh, I, I, I prefer the a cognitive discourse. I prefer the epistemological strategies of, you know, I'll keep my PhD in the back, right? I, I want to be free. I like to live free. It's hard to stay in the goddamn cameras here because I like to be free. And I'm doing everything I can with my ADHD self and my neurospicy stuff to go, hey. <laughs> but at the end of the day, freedom is a disruption. When we see somebody operating in their freedom, we do get uncomfortable. If somebody started dancing right now, I guarantee you it would take us a good minute before we catch the rhythm because we think something is wrong, right? We would think something is wrong. Sometimes, Audre Lorde says, sometimes we drug, drug ourselves with dreams of new ideas. What new ideas are you dreaming, may I ask? What have you dreamed lately? What have you told yourself lately that has disrupted the narratives you've been holding? Have you played into narratives that are not your own? And maybe you're still playing them, and those people who gave you those narratives are dead and gone. But you're still living by fossils. We are still living off of fragments of what we now have turned into a reality. You know, as a non-binary person moving in the world with other queer folk, in addition to engaging and being in relationship with other trans siblings, I realized that we use a term called passing. You've probably heard this term before if you've ever watched the, uh, watched the show Pose. Passing is a, is, is a very unique term because a person who seeks to live in the world as their self and knowing their worth. Whether trans man, trans woman, they're in the, in, the, in the houseball categories for people of color who are trans. They knew they had to pass. And they had to pass because they had to look like what the world expected for them to look without question. Let me back it up for some of, of, of us. My grandmother was the same complexion as Joe. Let's get in home. Let's, let's go home for a second. Now, Joe, you look just like my great-grandmother. Believe it or not, she could have sat next to you. You would have never known she was a black woman. She could pass. Because she could pass, she could also vote. 
she was able to live in a world where she could be hidden. And there was a certain way that she had to pass because she also had what, we, what, we, what, what some would call respectability politics, where you had to behave a certain way in order to exist in society with white people. She never wanted to disrupt white people. She was always very clear about the way she spoke. And she would be on all of us. My mother, the other, all of us, our, our, her grandchildren, about how we spoke and how we presented. I probably was the only one who got away with a little bit because I was an artist. Let Tickle Britches do whatever they want to do. That's how she looked at it. Oh, y'all got, got secret names now. But why do I say, why do I go there? Because in order for us to understand that kind of dynamic of passing, when we talk about trans folk and particularly black trans folk and within this community, the passing in some way has to act as a resistance, as a disruption to the status quo and is attached to being a site of survival. The average age for trans and queer people is literally 25 to 27 life expectancy. All because they might not pass. All because even if they do pass, they refuse to disrupt the peace. So what does that say about us? Most of us are probably more invested in safe space than trying to create courageous space. Marshall Foucault talks about the framing of Parisia. Parisia actually is a fancy little word for courageous speech. Other terminologies would refer to it as fearless speech. Now we call it free speech. But speech, to create fearless speech, means that you will die by what, not only what you say, but how you perform what you say. Why do I go there? I go there because that is actually how that word was used in the Roman Empire. It was how it was used in the sentence. You died. If you said something in the Senate, they, had, they, they felt they, we gonna kill you because you had enough guts to say what you said. And you might have the backing and the popularity and the image and the support to get it done. How scary. How scary. But now we don't get folk that want to speak up. We get folk who want to be liberally polite, in the words of Dr. King. We arrange ways that in some way we almost teeter by clutching deeply to the fact that we don't want to lose anything 
that might result to privilege. So we'll cling a little light. We'll just we'll use words in certain ways. I call it, I just call it liberal white pedigree. It's a real fancy term for just basically white supremacy culture. Uh, go figure, right? Because at the end of the day, we're I can't tell the difference between Democrat and Republican. It's getting really close for me. Every time I look at the news, I'm like, oh, you're not going to do anything either. And you're not going to do anything either. And one is more overt than the other. But we just like it when it's polite. And then we'll smile and call it ethical. Oops. Right? We lie in these spaces where we refuse to speak. And Audre Lorde reminds us, too, that our silence will not save us. It is better for us to speak, realizing that we were never meant to survive. But who is surviving? Who is surviving? Who is surviving? I, I can't help but to think for a moment, if I don't talk about this from a real place, I think about Basquiat. Basquiat was born in a, in a middle-class family in Brooklyn. His father was Haitian, his mother was Puerto Rican, and they both split up by the, age of, by, by the time he was seven years old. He lived with his father. He constantly kept moving. And him and his mother were really, really close, but she had mental illness, and she was put in a hospital by the time he was 11. Basquiat continued to live in New York, and check this out. He was rebellious, angry, went from school to school, his education ended early, and he never ended up having a graduation because, honestly, he had taken a box of shaving cream and poured it over his principal's head. He's a problem child. He's a wild child. Or maybe he was just a prophetic child and we just were not ready to receive the disruption that was coming from him. Maybe he was showing us how broken the system was and how disheartening his life was and how people just ignored him and overlooked him and abandoned him and never had a chance to sit with him in the disruption that he already knew. Maybe Basquiat's are in this room, and maybe Basquiat's are hiding deeply in closets that refuse to be open. And maybe you've left your Basquiat and locked it away and decided that I cannot have you come out because if you come out, all hell will break loose. All hell breaks loose. And then we deem those individuals who are neurospicy or with mental health challenges as problems. But they are disturbing peace. They are pointing to flaws in our system that are breaking not them down, but us down. My partner in Durham said to me one day, because I'm so much of a New Yorker in my behavior that I am so used to seeing people who beg for money or who will ask for money. And I will honestly do the probably the very thing that most of us do, not look. My partner looked at me as I was in Durham and noticed that I did not look 
at the homeless person who had asked me for change. I said, I acknowledged them. They said to me, no, baby, you didn't look at them. I appreciated that because I needed to revisit myself. Do you mind if I have to, right? Because the thing is, is that when I had to revisit myself, I had to acknowledge I only did the one thing, which was acknowledge, but I didn't look their direction. So I decided to try something different. I started looking at those who asked me for something directly in the eye. I realized that by the time I actually looked them in the eye, they would never complete their ask. And I realized that maybe the ask was not about change, but for me to acknowledge and see them. And the reason why they couldn't complete their ask was it wasn't about money at all. It was about seeing. It was about having the bravery to give them their, in, their dignity and their integrity back. That I didn't rob them of anything, but I gave them the acknowledgement of their humanity. And maybe for a moment, if we just did that, we wouldn't feel disrupted. Maybe if we looked at the thing that feels uncomfortable in the eye, it wouldn't feel so uncomfortable anymore. I keep a, a pet snake and most people don't even know how I can have a snake. And I'll ask them, well, have you ever been bit by, by one? No, but I've never, I've never. Uh, have you ever held one? No, but I could never. Why? The snake didn't do anything to you. You haven't had a relationship with one, so I don't know why you would feel this way. I could never. Just look at it. No. But why am I saying this? Because this is what we actually do with each other. This is what we do when we hear new ideas. We shut down. Instead of entering into discourse with disruption. I promise you I'll be out of your way in a few minutes. Because it is there where we decide to realize that when we acknowledge people in their work, in their ideas, it is a revolutionary act. Percy Shelley, the British poet, says in 1821 that poets are the Unacknowledged, uh, unacknowledged legislators of the world. Poets. Poetry in this sense, Percy Shelley points out, is the moment, is kind of a, a, it's a very clear framing that his relationship is about revolutionary mindedness. Can everybody just sit with that for a minute? It's revolutionary mindedness. This is another way to deal with disruption, how to engage it. Shelley is interested in this moment of a change. He sees no contradiction between poetry, political philosophy, and active confrontation. 
that all must coexist. Poets are the unacknowledged legislators of the world. In his time, Thomas Paine was high on the horizon. Voltaire was the main philosopher, right? And Mary Walton Craft is doing their thing. They were revolutionary thinkers, revolutionary minded. And they were ready, ready by all means to take on disruption and engage it at all costs. Between the poet, between Basquiat, when we see these people acting up and allowing and, and embracing for hell to break loose, we can't help but to think something got to be wrong with these people. How dare you think about starting and, 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 and starting your own revolution? How dare you think you can leave British colonial and then come over here to a place and then kick other people out and be like, this is my land and start your own country. I just told on so many of us today <laughs> and our ancestors, <laughs> right? How dare we think that way? How dare we go after freedom by any means necessary? Malcolm was a violent man, they told me. Malcolm wasn't violent, he just understood the New York Penalty Code. So if you hit him, he had the right to hit you back. But we don't like that. We prefer King, we'll clutch the King. And we think King is a kumbaya person. But he understood very deeply New York Penalty Code, but he also understood by any means necessary. And so here we are, that we have to do we have to acknowledge the poet in our life. We, we have to become the artists or the artwork or the Basquiat's. And, and, and I'm asking you really, if you don't mind, to think about a moment where you could just probably break the hell loose. There's a song back in the day that says, I feel like busting loose, like busting loose, giving away now, right? Y'all wouldn't know what to do. I saw, I've only caught like a few folk who saw the bobbing their head. They were, ready, they were ready for it, right? That's what it feels like. But if you do that, you might be considered to be one of the crazy ones. I'm going to use a word that is probably uncomfortable, and I understand why would I do that. I would do that because I know right now, as I wear this jacket, clearly Jordan Neely is on my shoulders. I'm holding him as an ancestor in this space as I even deliver this work. Because truly, as someone who impersonated Michael Jackson, danced on the train, and performed daily, I cannot lie, I have been a witness of seeing him myself. And here we are, in a country that would prefer to uphold vigilante behavior. <laughs> and I don't know what we're willing to do other than are we going to acknowledge how we need to disturb the peace 
that was disturbed from Jordan. What would have happened if Jordan was on the train and somebody actually looked at him in the face and acknowledged him and remembered the work he did? What if the fear of white women were silenced on the train? Do you mind? I know that's a, that's a tough thing for some folk, but it, it, it happens. Because I, 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 there were enough to say, we'll just, he's doing too much. It's uncomfortable. And immediately the news reporters started going after white women to go ahead and tell the story. Very Emmett Till, isn't it? Like Baldwin said, we think only people go through it as us, and then it's 100 years later, that same thing is happening. I'm concerned because it creates a blancophobia around people of color and how white women engage. It's uncomfortable. But what would happen, what would have happened if I didn't have a few black folk who didn't think about maintaining the status quo actually actively engage to support someone who is another person of color and not try to maintain the peace, the comfort on a subway ride. We have lost so many people of color, so many black men, if you will, due to the misunderstanding of what happens when artists disturb the peace. You would think that I'm possibly talking about somebody, you, like, I can't conflate artistry and mental health at the same, but I will do that today. And you can email me later. Because the truth of the matter is, is that it's a luxury to engage art. But when you've got to engage the artist, you are dealing with someone who is not only impersonating or living or passing through life, but they are the life. Queer folk, trans folk, black folk, we are the life. And some of us need to sit with the fact that in some of our spaces, we prefer to have folk in boxes, in categories to fit the very thing that makes them comfortable. But we've got to get to a place where we actually are willing to gaze upon each other in dignity. We've got to get rid of our Procrustes experience. Procrustes was the son of Poseidon. If you're very familiar with Greek and uh, Greek mythology, you would know that Procrustes had a bed. And Procrustes had a bed, and that bed was made specifically for Procrustes. But if anybody was going to lay in that bed, if they were too tall, too big, Procrustes would cut off their limbs. If you were too small for the bed, 
Procrustes would stretch you out. I got to fit in this bed. And I've got a lot of folk who like for others to try to fit their bed. But honestly, you didn't even make the bed. But I got to fit your bed. I got to be stretched and I've got to be pulled and I've got to be, I've got my limbs. I've, I've got to cut this out of my life. I've got to do this. When it comes down to it, I'm not worried about people making any more decisions for my life. The key word to decision in there is incision. I refuse to be cut off from parts of myself when I am in any more spaces. And I encourage anybody else who has been cutting themselves off just to fit somebody else's procrustean gaze, remove it. I need you to start living in your full choice. Choice is a functionality of freedom. Choice is an opportunity to engage your fullness. Choice is the ability to go ahead and take upon yourself your full humanity and know that you are right because you exist. It is a function. And my form follows. When I sit with all of this, I hope that we take a moment to just gaze upon each other, that we sit and face the chaos that we think is chaos, and we turn our chaos into cosmos, and we just start creating together again. Thank you. Thank you, Jay, giving us a lot to think about. Let's just take that moment and look around briefly and gaze upon each other. I get to do that beautifully from here, but you can do it from there too. Just look around. Can we give ourselves and each other permission to break out? <laughs> What would that look like here at Wes? Think about that. I don't know that we see a lot breaking out here. What would that look like? Think about that. In a few minutes, we will have our community sharing time where you can write into the chat or share in person about what resonated with you in this platform. And while we listen to today's musical response, you might prepare by reflecting on a personal experience or an activity at West the platform brings to mind. So use that time to reflect and then to distill. And then we will come back for community sharing.
This is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform and what resonates with our personal experience. So for our online participants, I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or in the comments if you are watching the recording later. And if you're here in person, um, you can come here to the microphone on the floor and share your brief comments so that others might also share. Um, I will encourage you that if you're someone who speaks often, consider stepping back to make space for others. And if you don't speak often, consider this your invitation to step up to the mic. We're gonna start by checking to see if online participants have had a moment to um, add into the chat. Let me take a look at that for a moment. Let's see. So Trish Weil says, thank you, Jay, for sharing your great energy. I think folks are probably pondering, but it looks like we have someone here ready to step to the microphone or scooter to the microphone. You need to go ahead and do that. <laughs> Hello, Judy, she, her. Um, thank you very much for your talk. And uh, three things I wanted to say. Um, you've given me a new vocabulary word, which is neurospicy. <laughs> I love it. It's um, definitely. Um, thing two, hang on. I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget. Um, I have a saying that uh, is in response to someone's communication with me. Well. I responded to you in my head, why didn't you get the message? <laughs> oh yeah, I was supposed to send it. That wasn't my outside voice. Um, and the other one is that I came here this morning to be disrupted. I know that you always push me beyond my uh, comfort zone. And so uh, thank you for uh, remaining true to that. Uh, Laura Steele has written into the comments, wow, Jay, it's a long way from lay leadership summer school all those years ago, right? So it's old home week. Um, and Laura continues, terrific talk, so much to think about and feel about too. Thanks. And if there's others that want to add into the chat or want to comment at the microphone, we have time and space to do that. Think about have when have you felt disrupted at West? Has that happened often? What does that look like? What might that look like? How might you be the disruptor at West? Hi. I'm V, she, her. Um, so I also have a snake, a pet snake. I just got her in April. Um, and a lot of people are scared of her, like a lot of my friends, right? And it's really funny because she's a ball python and ball pythons are called by ball pythons because they're very anxious. And so they curl up into a little ball whenever they're anxious. And then also, um, she doesn't have fangs and her teeth face backwards. 
So she's like, she's basically harmless, especially if you are someone my age, she can't really do much because she's a constrictor, but she wouldn't really be able to do that much unless you decided to put her around your neck, which probably isn't the smartest idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's kind of funny because my friends will be like very scared and they'll be like, oh, I don't want to hold her. Like, I don't want to touch her. Like, that's like, that's so scary. What if she hurts me? Like, she can't. She can't hurt you. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, Charlie. Thank you so much uh, for coming today. I have a really hard time coming because it's at 1030 in the morning and I'm a late night person. So getting here, you know, may, may be the same for you. Yeah, but <laughs> but seeing your name, I had to come today. <laughs> I got out, I got up, I got dressed. <laughs> and um, I feel like I'm a real combination of a uptight old white lady who's, you know, just doesn't want to be bothered and try to be nice. And I am nice, but as you were talking, because I, I, I'm thinking about in the last 15 years or so, I've become a multimedia artist. And as you were talking, I thought, oh, some of my art is disruptive. Yay! <laughs> Beautiful. Anyone else care to share? Well, thank you to all who shared your thoughts and attention. I'm sure we all taking things away and pondering and hopefully feeling and acting in the week ahead and weeks and months and years that we are in relationship with each other. Just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split all undesignated gifts in the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. During the month of May, we are highlighting the social justice impact of care work in two directions. Balthazar Ayala and his family have cared for our community for more than 35 years as custodians. And it is now our turn to care for them. Balthazar recently suffered the theft of his truck and his tools, which has had a significant financial impact on his business and his family. An appeal for direct support to Balthazar was sent out a couple of weeks ago, and you're welcome and invited strongly to contribute to that. And we are sharing today's collection to help restore that loss. So let's all take a moment to prepare to respond to the invitation to generosity as we are able. You can donate.
Thank you so much to the many people who helped to create this morning's time together. Our staff, including senior leader Casey Slack and other staff members in Dara Miles, Robin Kravitz, Maceo Thomas, and Tamana Barangi. Today's guest musicians, Javon Haskin, David Addis, and Laura Weiss, Hanu Dixit, and Leah Morris. And our platform production team, which includes the tech team members, slide artist, Zoom chat usher, and in-person greeters, whose names you'll see on the closing credits slide. At the conclusion of platform, please join us for social hour, either here or via Zoom. But first, I want to mention a few things upcoming in the life of our community. First off, the West Memorial Day camping trip is back next weekend, and you can come for one night or even just for the day or for the full weekend. And the fun takes place less than an hour from Wes at Cedarville State Forest in Brandywine, Maryland. You can check the Wes website or contact Abby Dakin for details, and your RSVP is due today because, of course, there's planning that has to happen so that people get fed, for example, over the weekend. Um, the West Board is hosting a town hall on Monday, this coming Monday at 7 p.m. via Zoom to discuss the proposed budget that will go for approval at the spring membership meeting scheduled for Sunday, June 4th. So you come on Monday for the budget. Don't come. Dial in to Zoom um, on Monday at 7 for a, a discussion about the budget that we will vote on June 4th. Um, and we have some news from the Lay Leadership Development Committee who are leading our West Board of Trustees elections. I think, Brian, you want to come to the microphone? Thank you, Karen. Um, two announcements in this exciting... Oh, can you hear me, folks? Okay, great. Okay. Um, as you know, we're in the middle of an election season for the Board of Trustees. We are happy to announce our four candidates. Um, for the three vacancies that are on the board. And two announcements, please, for your consideration. First, um, the corrected ballot was sent out not this Saturday, but the previous Saturday. If you tried to vote initially on the first ballot, you must vote again on the second ballot that was sent out. The votes don't roll over. The corrected ballot will also give you the opportunity to vote for one, two, three, or abstain candidates. That wasn't clear maybe the first time. So please vote if you haven't on the second ballot. A reminder will be sent out later today um, with the ballot link. At the same time, also please uh, put on your calendar if you're so interested another thing this week there will be a candidate forum on thursday between 7 30 and nine o'clock and that will be a zoom virtual forum where you'll be able to meet candidates and ask your questions as you learn about their vision thank you Thank you for those who are organizing that uh, election effort and for those who have agreed to stand for uh, candidates in candidacy and uh, willing to serve our community in this important way. Um, that is actually it for announcements today. As you, always, you can find information about opportunities to connect in the weekly news and notes email and, of course, on the calendar page of Wes's website, ethicalsociety.org.
I want to thank all of you for being a part of Platform today, whether here in person, on Zoom, or watching later. And I now invite you to join in singing our Song of the Month, Say Say Yes, led by Leah Morris. All right, all right, say say yes. Say say yes, say say all right, say say yes. All right, all right, say say yes. Say say yes, say say all right, say say yes. All right, all right, say say yes. Hold your head up. And say, say yes, keep your heart wide open and say, say yes, seek the light and let it shine. All right, all right, all right, say, say yes, say, say all right, say, say yes, all right, all right, say, say yes, say, say yes. Say, say, all right, say, say, yes, all right, all right, say, say, yes. Keep your mind straight and say, say, yes. Don't you hesitate and say, say, yes. Hold the line, we are right on time, all right, all right, all right, say, say, yes. Say, say, all right, say, say, yes, all right, all right, say, say, yes. Say, say, yes, say, say, all right, say, say, yes, all right, all right, say, say, yes. Say, say, yes, say, say, all right, say, say, yes, all right, all right, say, 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 yes, say, say, all right, say, say, yes, all right, all right, say, say, yes, say, say, yes, say, say, yes, say, say, yes. A few last reminders before we leave. If you are new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. Um, for those who wish to socialize online, to reach virtual coffee hour, point your browser to tiny.cc slash West Coffee Hour. And now I invite you to join me in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, caring for ourselves, each other, and the world around us, while celebrating and developing the creativity which is our birthright. Again, thank you all for joining today's platform. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.